Morning, everybody. So great to have St. Gabriel with us, right? Welcome. You know, we should actually do this more often. You know, I mean, I'm not sure that your AC will break every week, but when it does, we're here for you. I think we even raised the temperature to make you feel a little bit more at home. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, um, a bunch of folks are out of town. Uh, Reese and Mary Kay, Reese is speaking at Turning Point. So I'm sure that's going really great. You know, Marty and Chris are out of town. Marty and Chris are where the hills are live with the sound of music. Where is that? Austria. That is correct. Ben is running his race. Actually, I guess he finished his race, Connie Check, this morning and did really, really well in his triathlon. So how cool. Um, I guess Rafael and Griselda are out of town, too. Hey, Griselda. Hi. Great to see you. I wasn't sure. Uh, I'm Rob Kosberg. I'm honored to have an opportunity to, to speak to you guys today. And uh, I'm a small group leader here like a bunch of other folks are, my wife and I, uh, and own, I own a, a business here locally. I've lived here for about four years. That's if you're visiting. Uh, or if you're here and you've never met me and you're wondering why is that guy up there, uh, which hopefully you won't be thinking that after the message. It's okay to think it now. So, uh, open your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 107, and we'll kind of dig in. You know, Sunday's the beginning of the week. I hope you had a great last week. Was it good? You seem fired up. You seem excited. I hope it was a good week for you. Um, in my business, I'm a publisher, and so um, I get to like talk to some really cool people sometimes. And on Friday, I had this conversation with a, a consultant, and um, they consult with Fortune 100 companies and Fortune 100 CEOs, and you know she's a New York Times bestseller. Three times over. Just really, really cool lady. And she's doing this type of consulting. I figured I'd just share something while you guys were finding Psalm 107. You found it really fast though, right? Yeah. Anyway, she's doing this consulting work with like CEOs and every corporation that you can think of regarding thought manipulating particles on the quantum level. Like even to the point of of how our thoughts can manipulate our DNA and genetic coding. Is that crazy? This morning I was, I was on MSN.com preparing my lesson today. Uh, well, no, just taking a few minutes break. But, and uh, there was this whole article on particle entanglement. Anybody read that? You mean you don't read about particle entanglement on Sunday mornings? Hopefully you had a quiet time. Um, Particle entanglement, uh, this literally has nothing to do with the message. I just thought it was interesting and wanted to share it with you. But particle entanglement is like Einstein 80 years ago observed that like if you poked a particle, like on the quantum level, that another particle that had no connection to that particle would react, right? So like I poke Sean and Tom behind him goes, oh, would that be a little weird? That happens like all the time. That like really happens on the quantum level. And there's, 
you know, they've, they've observed that, but now they've, scientists, like, they've done new studies where they actually have tracked particles that are a mile apart on universities, a mile, physically a mile apart, and they're poking one particle on the quantum level, and the other particle is reacting a mile away. Is that nuts? Man, what is the world coming to? Anyway, God is amazing. Like, like, like life is so much more than we observe. You know what I mean? Like even just if people don't believe in God at all, they, if, if they understand science, they know that so much is happening beyond what we can see. And yet for those of us that do believe in God and believe in Christ, how much more do we know that as a fact? Is that cool? So as I said, really has nothing to do with the lesson today, but... Hopefully you think it's pretty cool. Use it on someone tomorrow. They'll be like, wow, that guy, wow. He reads or something. (laughs) Anyway, Psalm 107. We're going to read the whole thing, but I just want to start with reading a couple of verses first. This is where we're going to kind of park uh, for the the message. It says in verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And He is good. Amen? His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. That's us. Many of us. Those He redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those He gathered from the lands, from east, from west, from north, from south. The title of the message is, is Tell Your Story. A couple of weeks ago, Connie and I were in Nashville, Tennessee. And... Um, we led that church when, when I was in the ministry. Connie and I were in the full-time ministry for a number of years. And we led that church for about a year. And then for a number of years thereafter, we oversaw that church and several other churches in that geographic area. We had not been back in 12 years. And really, living there, it was one of our favorite places to live, wasn't it, babe? I mean, it's, it's a cool part of the world. Don't go in January or February, you'll hate it. Weather stinks, especially for you Californians. Wow, we're really spoiled here, aren't we? I know it's hot, but it's hot everywhere right now. And uh, we have some tremendous friends in that church. In fact, the, the guy that studied the Bible with me almost 30 years ago is a member of that church. His wife, uh, who studied the Bible with Connie almost that long ago, is, is a... Uh, in the Nashville area and great friends of ours. And so we have all these really good friendships. So I was actually going there on a business trip. It was kind of a finagled, manipulated trip. Like I had a speaking opportunity and they invited me to come out. But really I just wanted to go because I wanted to go back to Nashville. And so I said, babe, let's go. Let's do this. And so we went. We were there for like four or five days, two weeks ago. And our friends... Uh, asked us to stay at their place, even though they weren't going to be in town. And I was like, ah, you know, we'll stay at a hotel. And they were like, no, no, you got to stay at our place. So we stayed out there in Franklin, Tennessee, and they have this beautiful 20-acre farm uh, with a, I know, 20 acres, right? You think, wow, that must be worth a billion dollars. No, real estate is different in other places. costs different things than Los Angeles. And so, not trying to entice any of you to go there, but they have this beautiful 20-acre ranch. They have indoor riding stables and a, a beautiful barn. It's, it's actually, they've revamped it to 
um, to, to host these incredible events in, um, in the Franklin area. They have this beautiful house. So, th so we stayed there the first couple nights. And I remember, you know, these are old friends. I mean, we've known them for 30 years. And I've, I've seen their life go up and down, right? I've seen their economic situation, you know, go really well and, and, and be challenging. In fact, when we moved from Nashville to Los Angeles, we asked them to leave their jobs and sell their home and move from Nashville with us to, at the time, the East Region, Claremont. And they did that. This was 1998. So, you know, as you might imagine, you know, leaving your job, selling your home, doing, and, and eventually they move back and kind of reestablish themselves. So we've seen them go through all these economic ups and downs. And I remember the first morning that we were there, it was just Connie and I, and I walked out and I went for a prayer walk, and they have these beautiful thoroughbred horses uh, on their farm that they own, and I'm, and I'm walking and I'm just thanking God and uh, having a prayer walk. I'm like, God, thank you that you have blessed them so much. That, that the sacrifices they've made for your church and that we asked them to make, and they did willingly, that God, you have blessed them uh, immensely. And the next day, you know, I was having my prayer walk, and they still weren't in town yet. They were in town later on that evening. And I went out for a prayer walk the next morning like I, like I do most mornings. And my prayer was a little bit different, though, because I got to thinking. You see, I, I remembered... Not too long ago, what my life was like living in a really, really nice house and having the trappings of, of wealth, nice cars and money, and being so unhappy. And so I, I went for a walk and I hadn't, you know, we hadn't really talked to them and, you know, regularly, didn't know what was going on in their lives. And I remember walking the next morning and just praying, you know, Lord, Lord, I pray that, that they're doing great spiritually. I pray that they're happy. Uh, I, I pray, God, that you have blessed them in ways that I cannot see, not just the ways that I can see. Does that make sense? Now, fortunately, we, we spent time together that evening, and, and life is good, and their kids are doing well, and they're doing great spiritually, and they're contributing, and, and God has really blessed them. But... But initially, even though I knew what it was like to be there, initially I was so caught up in how everything looked and thanking God for how everything looked, I forgot in my own life that, you know, often it can look really good, but you still be pretty messed up inside. You ever been there? A couple of you. Thank you for your honesty. You know, Psalm 107 is... Um, is a cool, it's a cool psalm. Because what, what David does in this psalm is he lays out four story archetypes. Now that's a three dollar word, right Marlon? Did I say that right? Where's Marlon? He's a teacher, he's an educator. Did I say that correctly? You don't know? Oh my gosh, you don't teach English evidently. Okay. I did say it right. I looked it up before I said it. Uh, it means he lays out there four like story themes that he lays out. So remember what the first thing David says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And then he, he lays out these four themes. And the cool thing about this, it's not like every single one of us in this room will exactly relate to each theme. But you know what? You'll see yourself in one of these four themes or maybe multiple of these four themes. You with me? Let's read them, and then we'll talk about them. 
Back to verse 2, he says, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east, west, north, south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry, they were thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. For He satisfies the thirsty and He fills the hungry with good things. I call this theme the longing soul. I'll give you all four. Number one is the longing soul. Number two is the suffering prisoner. Number three is the rebellious one. Number four is the ambitious merchant. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. You know, it might come as no surprise, this is the one that I connect with the most personally. I remember when I first visited the church almost 30 years ago, like things weren't going badly in my life. You know how sometimes things have to go really badly in your life before you turn to God? Those are some of the other themes. Things weren't going badly. I had a good job, I was making good money, had a cool car. I was young, so that was important, right? I'm older, still seems important, but that's just me. I was dating this hot girl. I can say that because I married her. Um, but you know what? I felt like empty. You know what I mean? I was thirsty. I was hungry. I was like, do you know what? When it says your, their life ebbed away, ebb, ebb and flow is like what happens to the, to the tide. You know, when it's high tide, the only thing that can happen is for low tide to come. So when, it's, when you're at the high tide, when things are going well, it eventually ebbs away. It declines. It decreases. And that's what I felt like in my life. I, I felt like, you know, life is so good. Is this all that there is? You know, do I buy a nicer car? I mean, what, where is life going here? And I felt this emptiness, even though things are really cool going on in my life. Does that make sense? Maybe some of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. So I began searching for the Lord. And as I studied the Bible, I realized just how empty I really was. You know, the, the Scriptures taught me that feeling that I have, it's actually worse than that. Because you're masking it with all these things. I was the longing soul. I'll tell you a secret though. Whether you're a Christian and you're already redeemed, like David talks about, or whether you're seeking God, or wondering if God exists, or know that you're not right with Christ, or maybe not a Christian, whatever that means to you, you'll fit into one of these areas in your life on a continual basis. It doesn't just go away. You'll have these tendencies all your life. You can call it the sinful nature. You can call it just, you know, your upbringing or environment or your culture. It doesn't matter. Just because you once get redeemed doesn't mean that you leave this behind forever. I asked Connie, I didn't remember if I'd ever, if I'd ever shared this story publicly, and she didn't think I had. So I thought I'd share it. Is that okay? Can we just keep it to ourselves? Don't tell anybody else's stuff, all right? 
I appreciate that. When we resigned from the ministry in 2003, we moved back to Florida, which is where we're both kind of from, where we kind of grew up. And we were almost immediately really unhappy. You know, we, we didn't, it's not like we sought God and really tried to figure out what we were doing. I mean, we were kind of emotionally messed up and just looking for a way out of California where we were living in Claremont. And so we just ran, kind of ran back home. But almost immediately we were unhappy. Things re went really well financially. I built a business that did really well. But until it didn't anyway. You know, that's often how it goes. It does really well until it doesn't. And... Connie and I would go out to dinner every week, and at least every other week, we would have the same conversation. What are we going to do? We're unhappy spiritually. What are we going to do? You know, we're, you know, we have all these things happening and all these things going on in our lives. What are we going to do? Because we don't think this is where we're supposed to be. You know, we were back to, to longing. We were back to hungering and thirsting. Does that make sense? So even though we became Christians and we, we went right back to this hungering and thirsting because there was something missing in our lives. And we would have this conversation on a regular basis. And I'm telling you, I prayed about it almost every day for years. For years. My parents were there and my, my brother and his wife. Connie's parents lived there and his, her, her brothers and, and family my business was there, our, our investments, our home was there. I remember one day after another conversation like this with Connie, and normally she would tell this part of the story, but I'll have to. She had a quiet time and she prayed a exasperated prayer to God. I wasn't there, I didn't hear any of this. She prayed, God... You know, we've been praying about and talking about and, and frustrated with our spiritual circumstance for so long. Just tell us where we're supposed to go. Give Rob a job offer somewhere, and we'll know that's the place that we're supposed to go. Now, um, I don't have a resume. I had my own business, have still, and I am embarrassed to say I'm unemployable. Don't have the skills to be a good employee. You know anybody like that? <laughs> so I was not looking for a job. I didn't know anything about this prayer. Nothing about it. I'm, I'm at my, my job that same day. And I get a telephone call from a guy that I was in a men's discipleship group with, like a Bible study group with. And his name was Nick. And, and I didn't even know he had my telephone number. It's not like we were super close, right? And so he goes, hey, Rob. This is going to sound really weird, but God put it on my heart to talk to you about something. This is the truth. You can't make this stuff up. Well, you can, but it's not as good as this. And I said, okay, Nick, what, you know, what, what? God put it on your heart. You know, I hear that so often and I'm like, right, okay. You're drinking? I mean, what does that mean? God... Put it on, and I know I, I'm the guy speaking, right? I know, I'm skeptical, I think, sometimes by nature. Anyway, so he says this, and he goes, God put it on my heart to talk to you about a job opportunity. I said, wow. I said, Nick, you know, I'm, I have my own business. 
I'm not looking for a job. He goes, I know that, I know that, I know that. But God put it on my heart to talk to you about this. The job is in L.A., and he was the chief operating officer of a, a big engineering firm. And I think you'd be a great fit. I'd like to introduce you to CEO, et cetera, et cetera. I said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I'm really not interested in a job. Like I said, I don't have the skills for it. So later that night, not just, this is weird, but like, didn't think a whole bunch more. Later that night, we're at dinner, and it's Connie and I, and we have three boys, and, you know, the oldest was, you know, there are two teenagers, and, and one, Cole, was, I don't know how old at that time, maybe 10 years old or 9 years old. And so three boys eating. I mean, dinner is like five minutes flat, if it's that, four minutes. So they're going, and they're getting up from the table, and I eat as fast as they do, so I'm getting up from the table. And as I'm getting up, I'm thinking to myself, should I say something to Connie? Should I not say something to Connie? And I said, you know, I'm just going to say it. I said, babe, I got the weirdest phone call from Nick today. Nick said, hey, Rob, I have a job opportunity for you. And are you interested? And her face turned like white as a ghost. This was the same day she prayed this prayer. And her next question was, where? Like that, too. Like it's my fault. And I said, L.A. And she said, no! <laughs> right? It's the truth. And I'm like, what, what, what? And she said, she told me a story. Within about six months, we had visited. And within about nine months, we moved. We left our families, left our house, left my business, and moved. And, you know, you go, wow, that's crazy. You know, it's the happiest, it's the best decision I've made in a decade. Longer than a decade. It's the happiest that I've been. I, I found a home. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I'm, I'm the wandering guy. I'm the, I'm the longing soul. I, I, and, I, and I got a home. How meaningful is that? I know it's my tendency, though. And I know that there'll be... More challenges to overcome because your tendencies always come back. But the cool thing is when you cry out to God, what does He do? He answers. I mean, I told you some of my story. And it's the truth. I mean, it's, it's nuts, but it's true. We're a little nuts, but it's the truth. Maybe you're the longing soul. Maybe you're longing right now because there's an emptiness. I don't know. Or maybe you're redeemed, but you're still like, ah, you know, I just haven't felt right in a long time. I understand. I get that. Number two, the suffering prisoner. Go to verse 10. Some sat in darkness. Don't worry, they won't, won't all be that long. We don't have the time, right? That was just my story, so I made it extra long. The suffering prisoner. Some sat in darkness. In utter darkness. Prisoners suffering in iron chains. Because they rebelled against God's commands. And they despised the plans of the Most High. So He subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled. And there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, utter darkness. And He broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. For He breaks down 
gates of bronze, and he cuts through bars of iron. You know, in, in one way or another, I can relate to all these, as I'm sure you can. But, you know, there are themes in our life. And this may be a theme for yours. Where you feel this darkness in your life at different times. This utter darkness. And you think that your plans will get you out of that darkness. And so, put aside the plans of God. David calls it despising the plans of the Most High. Because you just think your plans will make you happy. Or your plans will get you out of the darkness that you feel. I'm here to tell you it won't. Only God can get you out of that darkness. That utter darkness. Even if you're redeemed and you've come out of that utter, utter, utter darkness, say it, wow, right? Even if you've come out of that, there will be times when Satan will try to pull you back into that. Bring you back down. Enslave you to bitter labor. You ever feel like, like you're doing the same things day in and day out and your spirit is bitter about it? You're working, you're laboring, but you're not getting anywhere. And there's a bitterness because of it. The suffering prisoner feels that. Number three is the rebellious child or rebellious one. Verse 17. Some people, or some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He sent out His Word and He healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of the works with songs of joy. Initially, I called this person the rebellious child. Really, that's not true because we can be rebellious all the days of our lives, can't we? But you know, we often equate rebellion with youth. So those of you that are young, this is going to be a temptation that you're going to be faced with. It is. You know, when I was a kid, I wasn't brought to church. When I was a kid, I didn't have to think about what it meant to be committed to God. And so I lived my life any way I chose to. And because of that, I found myself trapped in all of these other sins and difficulties. But you know what? Just because your parents bring you to church, or just because you're young and you're here, doesn't mean that you avoid traps. No, your trap is different. It's different. Your trap is someone telling you, whispering in your ear, your, your body telling you, you know what? Try a different way. You've never tried it another way. This is all you know. This is all you've ever seen. And you're getting this theme in your life. You know what? If you try another way, it may be better. Now you may be older and still have that rebellious spirit. I can tend to be. If the sign says, don't turn left, I want to so bad. It's just true. Even after church sometimes. No. Like I said, keep this stuff to yourself. Okay? It's a big deal. 
So you may be older and still be faced with those temptations, but I promise you this, when you're younger, you will have to overcome this. If you're here, and you hear me, and you're youth, you're going to have to deal with this. And you could carry it as a theme your whole life if you want, and we'll see where that gets you. Unfortunately, not very far. Number four is the ambitious merchant. Verse 23. Some went out on the sea in ships. There were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. For He spoke and He stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths in their peril. Their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. Their wits, they were at wits end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm with a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and He guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt Him in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the council of the elders. You know, does that sound at all familiar, even with the past week? Lifted to the heights and then down to the depths. I mean, the stock market within one day dropped 1,100 points. That's a rocky sea to have your hopes ride on. But the, the, the ambitious merchant rides that and has his or her hope in that. When your hope is in that, you'll eventually reel and stagger like this individual does because it's all fleeting and it's all passing. Now, it's going to be a theme. It's going to be a temptation. Jose shared about the rich young man. I love that story. It was one of the first stories that was shared with me that impacted my life. I mean, that I remember reading that story for the very first time with the brother that we stayed at his house. And we read it, and it was the first scripture I ever read that I like got. You, know, you remember that scripture? Because I read the Bible. I'm going to start in Genesis, and then I'll finish up in Revelation. You get through Genesis 3, and it's like, ah, something else. Right? <laughs> So I read the Bible here and there, but it was the first time I read the Bible and it was like, I read it and I said, wow, I don't know what I would have done had I been that guy. And Mark, this brother said, you are that guy. I was like, it gives me chills to this day. I was like, don't say that. I just said I don't know what I'd do. Now you're telling me I'm that guy? How am I going to sleep tonight? What am I going to do? I was so annoyed with him. You know, if the rich young ruler did come to his senses at some point, he still had that theme to deal with later in his life. I mean, it's going to come back. It's who we are. It's what's within us. So what do we do? I've laid out the problem in 25 minutes. I have five minutes to deal with the solution, right? The solution's easy. It's simple, excuse me. It's not easy. What did they do? We read it. Verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. 
Verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them from their distress. Verse 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them from their distress. Verse 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He brought them out of distress. God is the answer. He is the solution. No matter where we're at today, I hope if, if you've read this and you've thought about the things that you feel deeply within your heart, then you have seen that you are here. We find ourselves in one of these themes, one of these ideas. Maybe we're in a good place. Amen for good places. There's something for us to do too. I'll tell you about that in a second. But if you're not, it's okay. It is. It's totally okay. Because God brought you to this place so that you could cry out in your distress and so He could rescue you. You know, He loves to rescue. That guy loves to rescue. He is so cool like that. He loves to save. He loves to help. He's waiting. He's waiting. Whether you're redeemed want to be redeemed, need to be redeemed, or have been for a long time. We cry to the Lord. He always saves. He always rescues. The title of the message was Tell the Story. In, verse, in, in several verses throughout these themes, David gives those that are rescued a challenge and a responsibility. You saw what it was, right? I'll read it just in case. In verse 8, he says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind, for He satisfies the thirsty and He fills the hungry. Verse 15, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds, for He breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Verse 21, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and let them tell of His works with songs of joy. Verse 31, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds. Let them exalt Him in the assembly of the people and praise God in the council of the elders. God wants us, when we call on Him and have been rescued, to give thanks to Him and to tell our story to other people. He wants us to. Do you know why He wants you to do that? To help others, right? Makes sense. You know what? To help yourself. To help myself. I'm reading this book on motivation. It's pretty cool. The science of motivation. And we'll end here in two minutes. And up until about the 1940s, scientists believed that there were two basic forms of motivation. Internal motivation, meaning like our instincts, and external motivation, meaning like punishment and reward. They learned in the 1940s and beyond that there's really a third kind of motivation that is actually more powerful than the other two. They call it intrinsic motivation. Do you know what intrinsic motivation is? It's where we do something because it brings joy to us just in and of itself. The Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is what? Fear the Lord, right? Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's a first motivation. A first one. It's the external motivation, fear, fear of punishment. 
But a greater motivation for those of us that have been around a long time is intrinsic. When we tell people, other people, our story, God reminds us of how good we have it. And it, it, it swells within us, guys. It fills us. It's like, yes, look at what God did for me. Yes, look how God rescued me. Because we forget. We forget how good we have it. We need to remind who? Ourselves. Of how good we have it. Tell your story to other people. You've got a great story. You've got a better story than me. Tell it to other people for your own sake. When you do, God will pour out this intrinsic motivation within you. This, this inner joy. This inner peace. Yes, it will impact others' lives. When we were in Nashville, we met this sister that Connie and I, in our Bible study group, studied with. Her name was Maria. She's a Colombian and she's in Nashville. We didn't even know she was there. We helped her become a Christian like 20 years ago. And then her mom. And then her brother. And then her other brother. And then her mom's husband. And this whole like domino of people that became Christians. And when we went to visit, we didn't even know they were there. And there they are, all of them. They all come up to us. They're all living in Nashville. They're all, I mean, we haven't seen them in 15 years, 20 years, and they're just so full of life, so full of passion, so thankful. And I'm like, man, we did nothing. But it's part of the story. we got a great story to tell, guys. Thanks so much. Tell your story. Amen. If you actually can remain seated for a little bit.